Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about. We talk about faith. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. Welcome back. Thank you. It's very good to be back. Good to have you back. Are we allowed to say why you were gone? Yes, you are. <laughs> I should have asked that before we started recording. <laughs> My secret mission is over. Your secret mission is over. You had jury duty. I did. I had nine days worth of it. Because you weren't busy enough already. Exactly. <laughs> Here's somebody we could tap. Yeah. He has nothing to do. He has nothing to do. Well, but we, we, we didn't sink the ship while you were gone. You did a... Um, Beautifully, the as, mice as we expected. only played a little while the cat was away. <laughs> Just the right amount. The nice thing is, you know, we've got a lot of listening ears on this, so <laughs> I'd get feedback. I would get feedback. All I heard were great things. Good. So. No, I'm glad to hear. So um, I know we have some really, really good stuff to talk about, but did we want to... Is there anything about that time that mm. you sort of are left with after... That experience because this was this your first time on jury duty first time yeah so i had been called a few times for jury duty but never chosen i guess that almost sounds biblical called but not called chosen. but not chosen <laughs> no. all are called ed all are called thank <laughs> you exactly um so i would say that it, it's such a uh, i think great thing to do as a citizen mm-hmm. you know i mean it's such an important part of our democracy and uh, so in that sense, it was very gratifying. The other thing I want to say is, uh, if I could, if they knew that I was doing this, shout out to my fellow jury members because they were fantastic. Oh, wonderful. And there were six of us and three alternates. And uh, they were just great, thoughtful, caring people. And uh, the only thing I would say about this, this particular case, a civil case, is that... Um, you know, if you're if you're inclined to feel overly responsible for the world, jury duty is not a good thing to, to do because you suddenly feel responsible for all of these people. You know, wow, the yeah. judge, the lawyers, the you know the the plaintiff, the defendant, mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I also thought it was a superb experience from the standpoint of of the management of it all by the court system. They worked really hard to give us as a jury everything we needed in order to make a good decision. Uh-huh. And so uh, we were two days in deliberation, so it wasn't an automatic decision. Right. And we started out. Uh, so I think here's a little lesson maybe for us. We started out very divided mm. and we came to a unanimous decision. Wow. And it took us about two days to do that. So you know, we can do it despite the way that <laughs> the world looks th- these days. We can have people with really divergent opinions sit in a room together and figure it out. Wow. That's that's saying something. Yeah. With lots of bathroom breaks. Well, obviously. <laughs> Did the, was the, it was it required to have the decision be unanimous? Yeah, well, if just the a, decision is you not you're not unanimous, then it's a hung jury, and then the, the, oh, okay, so yeah. yeah, so it wasn't a strict, a simple majority. No, exactly, it has to be a unanimous decision. Yeah, wow. so this is, um, you know, it was, it was an outcome that we felt good about. I can't say that everyone would have felt good about it. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, those who were involved in this trial, and sure, we felt very deeply about the people who were involved in it, and tried to be very respectful of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, the other thing I would say, which isn't related to the case, you know, clergy, for the most part, define their time, what what we do with it and how we manage it. Sure. 
it was really refreshing for me to have someone say, you are to be here at 9, 10 every morning. You will get a lunch break at one o'clock. You will be back here at 1.55. We will dismiss you when we dismiss you. You enjoyed relinquishing control a little bit. I really did. Like, I thought okay. this feels great. Yeah, I made my little lunch every day. <laughs> Off I went to my duties. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was really something else. <laughs> like Ed's day camp is oh all I can picture. Oh my gosh, exactly oh, I don't right. mean to make light of it, but that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea that that would be a thing that we would be part of. That's a funny, and, that's uh, a funny little, little, uh, <laughs> a little aside, little right? aside. Yes, exactly. I love that. That's so, great. Anyway, missed being here and it's good to be back. It's great to have you back. So what are we, what are we diving into today? What would you feel called mm. to discuss? So the word that I, I actually have had this word on my mind for the last few days because of what's happening in Ukraine, mm. uh, is the word sanctuary. Mm-hmm and how sanctuary can be destroyed and how sanctuary can be provided. Mm -hmm. um, I've also been thinking about this because we've spoken several times about the, the 32 Afghan evacuees who are in our area, right. which is now 33 evacuees yes. because a little girl was born on Friday to one of the Afghan couples and they are celebrating the arrival of their little daughter. That's exciting. So, um, yeah, here she is, you know, growing up in, in a whole new country. A whole new a country. new country for her and her family. Wow. But they've received sanctuary. And I've, I've thought, uh, you know, in my own life, what would that be like to not have your home or any of your mm -hmm. belongings, the things that have been around you, if you had to relinquish it all? Right. Um, what a horrifying experience. So that is happening in Ukraine. And I've been reading some of the stories of what's been happening in Poland, both at the border and further in the country, as people there have tried to figure out how to manage the arrival of 2 million people and more. And then we wow. just spoke about how people, um, including my relatives in Germany, have signed up to uh, open their homes for people there. And yeah. I think you mentioned England. Yeah, I've heard as far as the UK, you know, that people are just being so... Um, so generous and just so it seems almost automatic mm. at how quickly they're like, yes, I can help. Yes, I have a spare room. I agree. You know, and they seem like the I, I follow a number of of British uh, people on on Instagram actually, and this mm. is why I happened about about this, and that they, I mean, they were really clamoring to mm. be allowed to do this. Yes. Um, until the government was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's remarkable, and I think. It can be one of those stories that sort of flies underneath the radar a little bit because mm -hmm. we're very caught up in the, you know, the awful tragedies that are happening. Absolutely. But there is a humanitarian uh, side to this, and it's the way in which people are responding. And I was reading about how the train station in Krakow in Poland has been transformed into a mm -hmm. refugee center and how people were remarking how well you know, how efficient it is and well-managed. And so I'm sure if you're on the receiving end of the care and you're tired and you're worried, you know, th you're having a, a whole different experience of that. Of course. But at least uh, a lot of the uh, systems are starting to be in place to help people. So I think more than we've thought about this in a while, it's a good time to consider sanctuary. Yeah. Well, and I think about... Um the the word and it's kind of multiple meanings mm. you know for me as a as an organist i think about the room 
yes the sanctuary mm-hmm. um and then i think about the concept of sanctuary mm-hmm. um i don't it was some movie i want to say it was like the hunchback of notre dame or something and someone was declaring sanctuary yes um as By a coming to the cathedral coming or, to the cathedral mm-hmm. and declaring it a safe space and no one could enter right that meant harm to that person yes um it's been a while since i've seen that movie <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> um, but it's just, it's such a multi-layered, multifaceted word. Mm-hmm. Um, do you happen to know? And I'm putting you on the spot. Which came first, the concept or the space? Well, I would say that looking at the biblical record of it, I I wouldn't say that the word sanctuary is used explicitly, but there is a sense of the of the creation of the temple Mm -hmm. as that evolved in Judaism, that sense of a sanctuary space. I think it's related to physical space first and foremost. And that didn't have to be a building with walls and a defined inner space. It could also have been a rock somewhere around Mm -hmm. which some sacred event happened. Yeah. And then that became a kind of sanctuary. Right, but still a physical space. Mm-hmm. So I think it relates more to that. Uh, I think what's interesting to see about Jesus is that he makes that portable. So he does not define a physical space where his ministry is going to be located. Mm-hmm. Right? We all say, so where's your church? You know, if someone yeah. asked me if I'm a pastor, where's your church located? Right. Well, if I said, everywhere <laughs> right that's good people would say really oh okay yeah and they probably would leave that conversation at that moment right back away slowly exactly um but actually G- one of the most obvious dimensions of his ministry and maybe the one we don't like to talk about so much because it's contrary to the way we do understand sanctuary uh-huh. is that he makes it mobile Right. So he brings it everywhere he goes. And when people enter his presence, they do feel a sense of sanctuary because they feel that they can be healed there or given a word of forgiveness there, yeah. something they can't experience for whatever reason otherwise. So it's uh, for us now, the experience of Ukrainians, obviously, are in need of a portable vision of sanctuary. Right. But as you say, we're also trying to you know, gather people in a physical space every week that we call a sanctuary. So both meanings are kind of alive and at large right now. It makes me think of what an incredible experience it must be to have an experience of sanctuary with a person. Mm, yeah. And I wonder, you know, if the people very close in our lives, if that is is a word we could use or to identify that feeling of home Yeah. with yeah. with another person. It's a, it's a wonderful aspect of human life to know that you can count on that with someone, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we spoke a little bit earlier about this encounter that Jesus has um, that's talked about in the gospel biographies of him where a woman comes to him. It seems clear that he doesn't know her. She doesn't know him. Uh, she may even be interrupting a dinner party slightly. Mm-hmm. And she has this expensive ointment and she wants to lavish that on him because she has some kind of intuitive understanding, or she's just listened to what he's been saying that nobody else has heard, Right. that he's his life options are narrowing rapidly. Yeah, And so she gives him, provides him, I think, with a sense of sanctuary. And she's a stranger. 
Right. Right. It's wonderful when it happens, you know, in our families, when we have that, that one person or a group of people. Right. But here comes a stranger who doesn't. Of course, the disciples, you know, classic disciple fashions like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> the disciples just feel like the 12, the 12 stooges to oh, me sometimes. My you know, I, my heart goes out. To them. <laughs> They're trying so hard. You know, it's like they could have said, look at this. Jesus is getting a massage. Like, how <laughs> awesome is that? It's like. No, what a waste. Yeah, I mean, right. it's just grumble, 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 right? And and then Jesus says, you know, well, look, she's doing this thing because she understands that, you know, she doesn't say my life options are narrowing. He's right. a little more blunt than that. But yeah. And they say, well, but, you know, could have been used to give this money to the poor. And then he says, well, the, you always have the poor with you, which is one of those things that it's not a little- a, not a really it's a little cringy it is it kind of makes you think like no matter what you do right we're never going to kind of fix that and uh so there are a lot of things about this encounter that don't go well yeah but but like at the heart of it is this experience between this one woman and this one man where she says look i'm i'm here to give you a reprieve right and uh so i guess those moments of sanctuary can be a little uh, spontaneous mm-hmm. and serendipitous. They pop out of nowhere, or they can be planned a little bit more. Yeah, I, I am remembering just right now as we're speaking, when I was serving a little tiny church in Scotland, and I was 22 years old, first <laughs> church I had ever served. And uh, even then, I was beginning to get the message that there are a lot of expectations that can fall on a pastor. <laughs> yes. Starting to get that message. And I guess I must have been talking about that with one of the, the persons in the community. And he and I just happened to look up, up the road a little bit, and there was a home there. And he, he told me that the two people that lived there were a, were a, a brother and a sister. Uh-huh. And they had never married, and the brother had spent his entire life in Glasgow as a police officer, but he wanted to retire back home uh-huh. uh, to this place in northern Scotland. And so they just, you know, they kind of were there to help each other and support each other. They had some health issues. But he said, you will never find an unreasonable expectation in that home. Oh. You can, you will always find welcome, which I think was the way of saying, you'll, if you're looking for sanctuary, you just need to step out of it for a little while, uh-huh. go visit them. That's so lovely. Isn't that a beautiful story? I always remember that. And true enough, when I did go to visit them, yeah, they were just as kind and gracious and welcoming. And we would sit down and have tea and eat things we shouldn't have been eating, like a lot of sna- yeah. <laughs> snacks in yeah. much abundance. Yeah, Scots with their snacks. Right. <laughs> and uh, there we were. It was absolutely I fun. I love that. Yeah. So I think those are some moments that can really make life special that's so beautiful when when people you know i feel like especially for people in ministry the the conversations we have are often based on what we can do for other people oh yes um which is fine it's literally our jobs um but on the other hand when someone pauses and gives us sanctuary like what a i mean wow yeah you it's know, a moment, what a moment gift of great grace. Absolutely. Right? And it, it's sort of like you kind of have to, uh, take pause and sort of re reorient yourself. Cause you know, I feel like you talk about receiving grace a lot. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just, you know, it's cropping up a lot. And, but it, it's, you know, that's tough. And I wonder, 
you know, for those people who are displaced from their homes due to this terrible violence, you know, I can't imagine the experience of, you know, there's people from all walks of life and all experiences and probably people who, who are givers and who, who would wish they were in a completely different situation than, ha- than having to receive this oh, gen- yes. grace and generosity. Um, it seems really difficult. I think it's to put like it mildly. A, a double whammy, really, because when you're displaced, that's horrifying. Yeah. And then on top of that, just as you say, you know, if the human instinct is to be able to give and support, mm-hmm. you really can't do that because you're not, not, or certainly not at the level that you would have been able to do otherwise sure. when you had your own home and resources, right? Right. So right, the right. giving then maybe takes place in different ways as people are trying to find their way together. Yeah. Um, I probably am repeating myself here, but that's okay. That's okay. It's first day, you know, it, it's springtime, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, but one of um, the people I've gotten to know from Afghanistan, and, you know, they're all learning English, and sometimes we all kind of laugh together about the way things come out, you sure. know? Sure, yeah. And so, and have a little bit of fun with that. But I was uh, talking with one of them, and I was apologizing because I hadn't been by for a visit. Mm-hmm. in a while. And he sent me a text and he said, you can always come home. Aww. And I thought, what a beautiful thing to say. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I, I, I have saved that message because, you know, kind of inadvertently, he said the perfect thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I think um, I used to, when, when I would be part of con- leading confirmation programs. So for eighth or ninth graders, yeah. when they go through this process to decide whether they want to be part of the experience of church, yeah. Uh, then I would say to them, you know, my hope is that no matter what happens to them in their lives, no matter where they go, they can always come back to the place that nurtured them and say, this is my home mm. and come back here recenter, reorient, you know, touch home base and kind of, you know, start from there. And we, we need to create that for each other. And I would say week in and week out, that's why it's very helpful to have a place called sanctuary where we can do that. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. And we'll see you back here next week. 